Imagine if you lost every so often your bank account just went to zero. That's kind of the same thing. You just, uh, you lost your Bank of America password. Well, you just don't have any more money. That, that, that's kind of what's happening here. Welcome to Craft Advice, a podcast to help investors tackle the more complex area of their personal and business finances. Join Jack and Sean as we discuss everything from investing to retirement and everything in between. I think that says five. Oh. Oh, mine says recording now. Yeah, mine's recording. All right, so we're live. We are live. I have no idea, but there is a way we could push this and stream it out live. So we'll, we'll figure that out. What are you drinking, Jack? What are you drinking? Ooh. So I'm going with a Dunedin brew today. So I have Control Freak Ooh. from Seventh Sun to Pale Ale. Right on. Crushed through a couple of these. Nice and uh, these are good beer to sip during the uh, the Bucks game last night. Ooh, that was a attaboy. hell of a game. Dude, the Bucks look incredible. I mean, Tom, Tom hasn't skipped a beat. He might be literally having like... Virgin unicorn blood flowing through his veins at all times. I mean, it's incredible. And he got Gronkowski yeah. over there, two touchdowns. I mean, it's, I mean, what is up with these guys? They just—they're ageless. You know, during the during the game last night, they had Al Michaels doing commentary, and he said something along the lines of, "Like they went back and studied every year, like how fast it was before he found the receiver and threw the pass." Yep. And his like quarterback stats i guess have been improving each year every like, year i think he looks better than when he started <laughs> i would well he's he 100 looks better than when he started because when he started he was a game manager now he just butt fucks the nfl yeah it's incredible yeah don't worry about yeah, it sorry, sorry about that mom <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i brought on well, a little uh it's a little bit of a boring one it's pretty it's it's mass market at this point but uh Highline, little cigar city, little uh, little ta- little Tampa beer. My backyard, Lo- there you lovely go. little IPA. But I've always been a fan. I've been drinking this stuff for, I mean, God, it feels like ten years now. I don't know, dude. That's a great beer. The problem with it is, if you have one too many of them, your next day needs to get a raise. It gets you. It'll it'll get you. It'll get you real good. So what are we talking about today, Sean? Introduce to everyone what we're going to jump into. Well, welcome back, everyone, to Craft Advice. Uh, again, Jack Sen, Sean Moneypenny here. We're going to be going over Bitcoin. Uh, specifically, I know we teased it a little bit last episode, but we're going to be getting into the crypto space here. Um, and I figured it would be best to obviously start with the king, King Coin, and go from there. The Whopper. The Whopper. <laughs> we'll, go for, we'll go from the king, and then uh, we'll bounce out. I think what we're going to do, yeah. just to uh, tease this out a little bit more, we're going to be doing a multi-part series. So we'll have other coins as featured uh, in featured episodes going forward. But this is uh, where we're going to begin. Well, and something else with the structure of these. So we're kind of going to break down diving into the different areas of the crypto market over the next couple of weeks. And we'll start with just an overview of what it is, high level, what's the coin, what's the idea, what's the protocol. We'll get into what the use cases are. We'll talk about some of the risks. And then most importantly, can you make any money in this and how? We'll talk through some of those. 
and then we'll wrap it up with buy, sell, or hold. So let's let's jump in, Sean, to the overview, the history, or at least a quick history of Bitcoin. How the hell did this thing <laughs> come about? <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, not to get too far down the rabbit hole here because we could spend quite a bit of time, but essentially, hey, four is coming out. Let's take you know, the blue pill. <laughs> The red Let's pill. Take the blue pill. Let's go, let's go right pill. down there. The, the blue pill keeps you in. Oh, does it? Sorry. So red <laughs> pill. Red pill. Red pill. Damn it! Come on. No. But, uh, <laughs> so what it what it is essentially? This was a rebuke of the uh, of the you know the financial system that we're in. It was born out of the financial crisis 0809. Um, you know the the famous pseudonymous creator Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, could be a real person, could be a group of developers. There's a lot of different theories out there. There's some people that have tried to take credit for him, uh, but really nobody knows. That's still a still a myth, an urban legend, if you will. Uh, it could be the CIA. It could be Elon Musk. Could be nobody. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> who knows? There's a lot of options. But uh, essentially, what it is is uh, again, it's it's built around the concept of scarcity, a fixed money supply, because obviously, what we saw out of the financial crisis was loose monetary policy, a lot of money printing, a lot of Fed intervention, um, which is honestly what we're seeing now in today's day. So it's a really good, uh, you know, they say they say history doesn't repeat, but it often rhymes. And we're seeing a lot of that today. So, again, the, the concept is there's 21 million coins that can be minted in total forever. That's it. There'll never be any more. And at its current pace, because, again, these at the, at the founding of it, there was a certain initial amount that were released, and then there's a process of what's called mining, where essentially you've got programmers that will validate transactions, and they get rewarded for validating transactions. So it's a self-fulfilling you know, fulfilling prophecy or a positive feedback loop, however you want to describe it, where it, the network grows, and it's rewarded for its growth. So it continues to grow, continues to get stronger, and then continues to reward itself. So, um, again, at its current pace, the mining should exhaust the full 21 million somewhere around 2140 is what current estimations are. Um, but at the same time, you know, we, we can dig into a, there's a million stories out there, but there has been, I believe, 3.4 million thereabouts that have been lost or that are believed to be lost forever. Uh, you know, some of those are, are pretty famous. Like the uh, the guy who lost it in the in the landfill, uh, I want to say it's something along the lines of 180 million dollars. We'll get into that in a little in a little bit thumb, on the podcast. Thumb drive, thumb drive got thrown away, um, <laughs> but yeah. So that's that, that's that's a little bit of a, of a quick summary, um, Jack. I don't know if you want to jump into the difference between Big B, Little B. Uh, you know, obviously, there's the technology that the coin is based on, and then there's obviously the coin itself. Yeah, so if this shit wasn't confusing enough, there's two different ways to look at Bitcoin. There's Big B, which identifies... So Bitcoin with a capital B means the blockchain it's on. Bitcoin with a lowercase b is the little coin that everyone's going nuts in their Coinbase account for. So again, the whole theory here is... It, it, in, in my mind, this whole concept of Bitcoin is kind of a play off of what you see in other even video games where there's a currency for anyone using it. And the biggest thing here is you just need to get people transferring money, transferring value, storing value without having an intermediary. There's not a bank involved. 
There's not a technology company involved. The software was written. The program is out there in a way it kind of went. So we're going to, I think most of what we're focusing on with today's episode is the little B, the coin itself, not the blockchain. I think the blockchain is kind of now being replicated with things like Ethereum, Cardano, Solana. We'll get into those in future episodes. But for today, we're focusing more on the currency itself. How do we send money from place A to place B? How do we hold money? If you're in a country like Zimbabwe that has a billion dollar bill because your inflation's out of whack. So let's get into the use cases, Sean. So what the hell am I using this thing for? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. So um, yeah, that's what today's episode is all about. It's definitely about the, the currency and Bitcoin itself. How can you invest in it? But also what, what can it be used for? Um, the three main use cases are one, uh, you know, transfer of wealth, Right, so remittance payments, remittance payments from you know, for example, El Salvador just picked it up as legal tender. So it will. There, there was an estimate I was reading the other day. I think I sent you the article, but essentially, it's expected to save them somewhere along the lines of four hundred million dollars in fees that they would normally pay to uh, you know Western unions or any other of these antiquated, overpriced money transfer systems. Um, so they'll be able to send money back and forth between the states and here. So. It's a big way to transfer money from dollars to dollars um, very securely uh, and very inexpensively, right? So very cheap and very fast and very, um, very securely. The other way that (laughs) – go ahead. I don't know why it's taken so long to disrupt like AMSCOT. Like if you go, if you're, if you're out having a bender of a night and you're trying to go to Taco Bell at like one in the morning, the only other thing open is like this sketchy Amscot that's somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the old uh, Amscot, but the, uh, the other thing that I would add is that it's, it's also obviously uh store of wealth, right? So transfer of wealth, store of wealth, um, which I believe is going to be its biggest and, and, Obviously, seems to be its biggest, at least within the within the developed world. So, remittance payments is like what's going on in El Salvador. I think is what you're going to see. Essentially, and I was I was explaining this to you or describing my theory behind it is that I think it's going to eventually turn into a global currency for you know maybe the the non top fifteen currencies, right? So you take the U.S., Japan, China. The, you know, the Eurozone, Canada, et cetera, et cetera, right? So you take the, the top, let's call it 10, maybe 15, probably not even 15, but definitely the top 10 currencies in the world. They will survive. They will stay. Their currencies are strong. Their countries are strong. Sovereignty, et cetera, is, is uh, it's unlikely to make too much of a dent in it. But I believe you're going to see a lot more Latin American, uh, African, and Asian countries really start to adopt this as a better means to store value and transfer wealth within their countries and from the developed world to their countries. So I I think it will eventually morph into a global other currency, if you will. So there'll be the developed country, the developed currencies, and then the global currency of other countries. It's kind of like the Euro. I mean, the Euro is just a hodgepodge. And then if someone gets sick of it and says, now I'm done with this, then they do a Brexit and just leave and start their stuff over again. So it makes it makes a lot of sense, but I think this whole concept of instant transfers from place A to place B, having a non-government-backed store of value is huge. But this is where we get into what are some of the risks of this thing. 
I think the first one and, you know, with El Salvador being the first place that's like, yeah, everyone's going to get $30 worth of Bitcoin. You just have to download this app and away you go. I, I think we're going to run into a scenario where we have some confusion with most people, you know, especially in third world countries, most of their stuff is, t- their wealth is tangible. It's like a goat, <laughs> maybe some, maybe some, you know, a nice doubloon. Got an olive tree over here. Yeah. Something like that. And then, you know, there's other countries where people tend to have maybe they're used to a bank account. I know a lot of Asian countries are very cash heavy investors, but if you get into the concept of a passphrase, like this is going to blow a lot of people's minds when they, for them to get access to their money, they have to remember tuna, popcorn, shoe, goldfish, goldfish, (laughs) hat, burrito, hot sauce, Michael Saylor. I think you're going to have a lot of people just completely botch this and you know, they just get dropped completely out of their bank. They have no access to it. So that's, that's one of the risks in my mind is it's so secure and encrypted on one side, but you're solely responsible for it. So if you lose that trust, I think this thing just unfolds. But that said, if you're savvy and you can track this or write it on a napkin and your house doesn't burn on fire, then you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, at the end of the day, dealing within the, the, the pure coin itself is, um, you know, th- there are some growing pains and some, some newness to it that you have to become comfortable with. And there's some technological uh, literacy that, that is, is required, if you will. Yeah. It's not that it's difficult. It's just new and something different. So there are a lot of countries out there that may not be as familiar with it. Uh, but I think you're going to see... As these countries continue to adopt it, I think you're going to see entire ecosystems and companies and businesses sprout around fixing that problem, right? Making it easier, making it more simple, making it more streamlined, making it more comfortable for people to to get online and use this. And maybe what it is, is someone, it's kind of like the Coinbase model is you have to centralize it first because it's so damn confusing. And then if someone really wants to go off the grid, they can come off that and, you know, pull their coins on their own wallet and do their own security. But yeah, I think you're going to have to have, I think El Salvador is offering like their own wallet, their own branded wallet and everyone's just underneath them. So centralizing a decentralized asset, which again, to each their own. Agreed. You were telling a story about someone losing a wallet. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, obviously there's the, the, the famous individual in, uh, in England, Right, he had. He was an early developer. Uh, had I, can't, I mean, honestly, the the amount of Bitcoin off the top of my head escapes my mind. But I mean, it was in the hundreds of millions of dollars at current prices. And years ago, he threw it away on accident, or his room got cleaned, and it got thrown away on accident. And he didn't realize it, and the trash got taken out. And it was just like days later. And now he's been in like a lawsuit with the city trying to get them to basically turn over the dump and try to like sort this thing out, which the reality is is there's no way that that thing is even like, there's no way he'll be able to get that back. No matter if they found it or not, the the amount of rain. I'm sure some compactor just smashed it. It's a hundred percent gone, but there is, there's just been hundreds and hundreds of, of these cases that pop up. Now, some obviously lose a little bit and some lose hundreds of millions of dollars, but there is, a tremendous amount of Bitcoin that's been lost to the market. Imagine if you lost 
<laughs> Every so often, your bank account just went to zero. That's kind of the same thing. You just, uh, you lost your Bank of America password. Well, you just don't have any more money. That, that, that's kind of what's happening here. But that is, I think that is a risk to this whole space. And some, some big platform is going to figure this out, how to really sure. scale this efficiently, where it sticks to the true nature of being decentralized, but it gives you some protections on the back end. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's clearly it's something along the lines of, I believe it's about three and a half to three point seven million dollars or I'm sorry, three and a half to three point seven million Bitcoin are lost forever. That's the that, I mean, that's the most up to date to my knowledge, the most up to date estimate on what's actually but lost. Do you think technology and say like. 2030 can go back and salvage them if the ai gets so good it can just say oh this is stupid i'll just steal everyone's wallet i hope i hope for those people's sake that somebody figures something out but at the current state of affairs they're all screwed yeah yeah they're not doing anything else but at, so the, same, at the same time i will say that also does a little bit more to add to scarcity right i mean that's that's Part of what makes Bitcoin valuable is that there's only so much of it. Um, and you know, if you take 21 million and then take almost 4 million of that out of circulation instantly just because some knuckleheads lost it, then, I mean, it, it already makes it that much more valuable. Sucks to suck. Sucks to suck, homie. It's like the bank. Was it the Banksy one that when they put it on uh, display to sell at Sotheby's, it just lit itself on fire? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it had like something in it to just burn the painting, which That's was it. great. Yes. If it got resold, he would hit the button. <laughs> so, last two risks that I want to hit on, and then we'll get into how do you make some money in this space. The first, I think, is volatility. You know, for most of us that are listening to this and have been invested in this space, you get it. You understand this is volatile. But there's a lot of people. Think about even my wife. If I said, "Hey, we're going to bank in this," and your checking accounts at thirty thousand, then down to five thousand, then up to seventy thousand, then down to thirty, you know, people are going to start losing their minds pretty quick. Yeah. So, I think part of it to really be this global payment system, and I know there's stable coins. We can talk about that in another episode, but the volatility aspect, I think, is going to be something hard for these to handle, especially in maybe communities or countries where everything's very like a barter system, yep. you know, I'll trade you my coffee for, you know, your gas and whatever what it might be. But the other aspect is going to be regulation. So I'm weary certain big countries, US would be one of them. I would think China would be another, maybe Japan. A lot of these don't want to lose their kind of government standing and have their, you know, they have a sweet spot with owning the rails, the payment system. Yep. So I think that's the last aspect of it is if regulation really pushes hard in this space, what does it do for the incumbents and the players? I mean, I would say that it's, it's, it's really, it's nearly impossible to put the genie in the bottle, right? I mean, so there's only so much they can do. They can pinch choke points as far as, you know, you taking fiat, putting it into the system, buying Bitcoin, it growing it, doing whatever. And then you, wanting to transfer that back out into fiat. So those choke points can be monitored, can be controlled, but if you leave it on there and if enough of the ecosystem grows, 
to where you there's really no need for you to take your money and turn it into dollars or turn it into yuan or turn it into a euro. There's not much they can do. I mean, it's kind of like trying to fight the internet. Yep. Well, that's the, I think that's the, like, if you were to think of the ideal scenario of how does Bitcoin become like the ultimate thing where its price goes to 500,000 or a million that people are saying, it has to get to that point where there's no reason to convert your money back to dollars. You have to be able to fully operate. I, you know, I get paid in Bitcoin. I buy groceries in Bitcoin. I go to the bar with my friends and use Bitcoin. I go to a sports bet or whatever, use Bitcoin. I travel and it doesn't matter where I'm going. I you know, go to El Salvador or I go to Europe. If it gets to that point and this thing has a lot more room to run, it's just a matter of how many people try to step in the way of it. Does it lose trust before it gets to that spot? Yeah, I mean, I would say, I would say essentially for right now, in larger, more developed nations, obviously the entire European Union, the U.S., uh, you know, Canada, Japan, I mean, e even you know, China, there's no major reason for you to use Bitcoin for transactions because it is viewed as such a store of value and it's such a fastly evolving market that you're holding on to it. And it's, I mean, its growth rate is exponential and, and it's extremely, um, extremely, even though it's extremely volatile, it's extremely valuable and something that you're going to want to continue to hold on to. Whereas you take these third world nations that do have currency issues, that's where you're going to see individuals more so use it as transactionary base. Yep. Very hard. There's a lot of countries. I was trying to find a list of of currencies. What, as far as the, uh, the, ce the central bank currencies? No, no, no. Like, so I'm, I'm looking up online. Um, I just pulled up a random economics website. Mm. There's like hundreds of currencies. So many small oh, yeah, countries, yeah, yeah. they all have their own currency. Everyone remembers the picture that went viral of Zimbabwe printed like a trillion dollar bill. Yeah, like exactly. you don't want to get to that place because then your money's just becoming. I mean, you're, uh, those countries have to pull in, have to import almost everything to survive. Yep. I mean, they've set, have just pillaged the entire land where there's nothing left. So they have to bring it in from other places. If your currency just keeps getting lower and lower, it just keeps getting more expensive to do that. So this is looked at as a way for them to make money keep it in something that's not the government. Yeah. And hopefully that, that moves over. But to, so let's, I would say to let's jump Sean into I would, I would, before we move on, I just wanted to circle back to your point though, because obviously we're here to provide advice, even though it's not personalized. Um, when it comes to being comfortable with Bitcoin, it's something where you really have to be able to uh, stomach a tremendous amount of volatility. And that's why if you're new to this area, I mean, so I've been in, this particular space as an investor personally and uh, with some clients since 2017, late 2016. And if you are not comfortable seeing massive, massive amounts of volatility for this bucket of your money, then it's not something that you really want to touch. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's, if you are comfortable with the volatility or if you can, if you can become comfortable with it, right? Maybe at first you're not, but once you realize, it's long-term future potential. You can somehow, you know, become comfortable with it over time. It's it's going to, in, in our eyes, in my eyes, absolutely, is payoff because it's, I mean, it, again, the growth has been exponential, but it's something where you have to be 
comfortable seeing that possibility of a 70 to 80% drop in a six to you know 12 week period, very short time. Yeah. I, there was a good post that was going around Twitter that said, you know, if you're looking to get 100, 1000 X returns, that has to come with 80 to 90% wipeout. So along the way, there's a reason they say the stock market might do five, six, seven, eight, 10% a year. You know, that's coming with, you know, you're not going to see Home Depot's price cut in half and then triple and then cut in half again and then triple. But some of this new technology, it's swinging for the fences and trying to take over the global payment system and trying to take over all of the cash in the world. That's a pretty tall, very audacious goal. It's a tall order. Yeah, very tall order. And we'll get into some of the other coins that are trying to really basically just destroy the entire contract industry, <laughs> smart contracts. But so let's let's hop, Sean, to how you make money in this space. So obviously, everybody knows I just wrote a post on, again, craft, craft-advice.com if you want to read it, talking about my thoughts on this space. As far as just opening a Coinbase account and buying Bitcoin, I think you get free Bitcoin for just opening it up at most of these wallets. Yep. That's like the low-hanging fruit, easy way to get it. You know, most people, if you're going to be doing this, I I think this is one space where you could clearly dollar cost average into this. Absolutely. You don't have to throw a ton of money at this. You could throw, you know, five, ten, twenty, fifty dollars on a regular basis, just let it buy in. The flip side though is maybe if your money is tight, your budget, and you want to get this somewhere else, can I buy this in a retirement account? Can I buy this through my investment account? So let's talk a little bit about maybe some of the ways to access this. So if I'm invested at Schwab, if I'm invested at Fidelity, Robinhood, what are maybe some of the ways we want to look at getting into this space? Yeah. So if you're a retail brokerage investor, uh, there's not a ton of options out there for you, right? Unless you are... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so the, the reason why I point that out is because... So if, you, if you're going to be a purist, right? If you're going to have a wallet... If you're going to go on, you know, a Binance or a Coinbase or et cetera, et cetera, right? If you're going to go on a Kraken, you, there are some, I don't want to say technological hurdles, but there's just certain things that you're going to be required to do that you may not be comfortable doing. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that sign-up process is new. It's different than just opening up a brokerage account at Fidelity Investments. It's a little more invasive. Part of that is because they're trying to cut down on money laundering and they're trying to clean up the industry. So again, I, I point all that out that there, there's also things that you could potentially do that kind of screw yourself, right? If if you're not if you if you you go on there you you dump a hundred grand, you don't secure your wallet or you don't put it in cold storage, you don't, and, and then you're bouncing around on other websites and you get hacked. Your money's, I mean, it's, if you're not overly technologically, if you're not very technologically savvy, it's not something I encourage the average person to do. Um, yeah, CNBC had someone on the other day that, that they, you know, they, they showed the, the couple of husband and wife and their two kids yeah. started investing money into their cryptocurrency and it went up to like 150 grand and then they lost their passphrase. Yeah. And somebody hacked their phone. Yep. Through their email, got their passphrase and just wired it right out. Yep. Coinbase is like, we can't do anything for you. It's all, you, it's all gone. You lost your passphrase. That's it. It's gone. So that's why, again, I, I point, I, I emphasize that to say that the average person, unless you are very comfortable with 
technology and, and very comfortable with the internet and just, just setting stuff up of that nature, I would probably steer clear of that. There are not a lot of options on the security side, but there are options. And that would be the way that I would encourage most people to invest, right? So when you look at, and again, Jack and I, we're not telling you to go out and buy this ETF or this, you know, this trust, so to speak. But what I would say is that these are probably the most practical ways to get exposure in your portfolio, right? It's if you've got a $200,000, 300 or 500 or million dollar IRA or savings or brokerage account, right? And you want to get some exposure to crypto, to Bitcoin, um, GBTC, right? So Grayscale is probably the, the leader in that front. And it, they don't just have Bitcoin um, vehicles. They've got other, other coin vehicles. Uh, they've got other diversified vehicles that are, that are very good options to look at as well. But those would definitely give you something that you're more comfortable with akin to a, you know, hey, I'm going to go online and buy some Home Depot stock or I'm going to go on to my, my Schwab account and buy some, you know, some Apple, right? So this is something where you're going to punch in a ticker. You're going to pull it up. You're going to see it's quoted. You, you'll feel very comfortable. You'll be able to easily buy that versus you being more of a purist, setting up a, a brokerage, you know, with Coinbase or Kraken or whoever, getting a wallet and going through those steps that may not be in your best interest. Yeah, I would encourage everyone, especially at a minimum, like Coinbase has Coinbase Earn. It's a free platform. You literally just take a picture of your driver's license and open the account and send it to them. And they'll give you 30 or 40 free dollars worth of stuff in a wallet. So if you really want to try moving money from one wallet to another or just I mean day trade 30 or 40 dollars in a crypto wallet and have fun and see what happens at least you'll you know either you're burning a hole in coinbase's pocket because it's their money they're giving you but you do need to realize there's two different ways you can buy this you can get it direct like sean said through one of the wallets you're going to need one of those to buy it you're going to have to be on a kraken or a gemini or a coinbase or binance or you're going to go to an IRA provider, and you're going to find something close, a fund that's kind of wrapped to track some of these these digital assets. And there's a lot of them that track Bitcoin. I think the Grayscale has the Bitcoin Trust, which is like the largest provider. Yep. So Gray now, Grayscale's GBTC is the largest. Um, Osprey, I believe they launched earlier this year. Osprey is another company. Um, OBTC is that symbol. So very similar to what GBTC is. Um, again, just a different provider doing the same thing uh, for actually a lower cost, but two very good outfits um, outside of the U.S. We haven't, we haven't, the SEC has not approved yet a, an ETF option, uh, but there is, I believe, something in the range of 20 to 25 in the, uh, in the queue for approval. Um, so they're looking at ETF options just to give us more options to choose from as, as retail investors. Um, outside of that, I mean, there, there's a few in, in Canada that have been launched and they've been wildly successful. So I, I, I believe it's just a matter of when, not if, um, but yeah. those would be the way that I would encourage the average retail person, average retail investor to invest or get exposure. Now, to if, if you're maybe in a different circumstance, so we talked on a prior episode about the $5 billion Roth, how Peter Thiel basically took his Roth IRA and just exploded it by buying every private company on the planet, it sounds like. <laughs> but there are ways if you are a more hands-on investor, it's called a self-directed IRA. 
you can use your IRA to fund startups, buy investment real estate. And there are a few platforms that'll let you connect your IRA directly to something like Coinbase. Um, Alto IRA is one of the companies. Rocket Dollar is another company. Again, do your own due diligence with these, but you do have the ability to basically connect your IRA directly to a wallet and have the raw currency or coin or whatever you want to handle. So if you want to really put Bitcoin in your wallet, that's a way to do it. And especially this is probably a good idea for people that some people that work for a corporate company, the majority of your benefits are 401k match profit sharing. And you might max the 401k out where a lot of people have the majority of their wealth in their retirement accounts. You can use platforms like Alto and Rocket Dollar to expand your investment options. You don't have to just have mutual funds. You don't have to to just have ETFs and stocks. Yep. Just keep in mind, you're stuck doing your own research. They don't help you figure out what to buy or when to buy. You are swimming in the deep end by yourself. So just kind of do your research. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, research is key. You want to make sure you're you're comfortable with the firm you're using. But to Jack's point, they're not advisors. They're more so facilitators, right? They're there to tell you what the rules are in terms of you doing this legally within the IRS guidelines and helping facilitate that transaction. Outside of that, it's your, uh, it's up to you to make sure that transaction is something that's in your best interest. Now, what if, what if I don't want to buy the coins? Maybe I, maybe I'm out there and I think this is a hoax and the CIA is actually behind this whole thing and they're trying to take down the world. How Sean, would you look at investing in this space, but not buying Maybe I don't want to buy Bitcoin because I think Kim Jong-un or someone (laughs) that is behind it. Or it's Elon Musk's crazy ploy to go to Mars. Yeah. So, I mean, I I would say that um, I don't know about those particular scenarios. Those sound a little uh, interesting. But let's say. What do you mean? Let's say you don't believe researched (laughs) ideas, John. (laughs) Let's say you don't believe that Bitcoin's going to go to the moon. It's just going to stick up there in the stratosphere. Right. So it's not going to 150 250, 500,000 a coin. Let's say you don't believe that, but it's currently floating around 45 to 50,000. And maybe it just stays here for a long time. It gets saturated, it gets adopted, but this is where it stays for whatever reason. The picks and shovels are really where you can continue to make money because, again, these are companies that are mining Bitcoin. Um, these are companies that are part of that Bitcoin ecosystem. And so as the industry itself continues to grow, they're growing alongside with it, right? So even if for whatever reason, Bitcoin is is volatile or it's stale, these guys can continue to make money uh, right alongside it. I mean, again, there's there's several out there. Two of the largest here in the States have done an exceptional job at scaling. They're adding new uh, rigs as, uh, you know, as they're called. They're adding new rigs on a daily basis and... Between now and I believe it's Q1 of next year, they're going to have reduced their expenses. So their last year, I believe it was Q2 last year, their average expense was around $9,800 a coin. $9,800 to mine a Bitcoin. And by Q1 of next year, 2022, so from 2020 to 2022, they will have reduced that to around So again, I mean, you're looking at about a 70% drop in cost while at the same time, the cost of the, you know, the price of Bitcoin is going up. So, I mean, you've got an exponential growth in 
what they're able to sell the coin for. And then you've got a dramatic reduction in what their cost is going to be. So again, I think those are very interesting. And in my eyes, the best way to invest it as a traditional investor. If you're a traditional investor that doesn't want to get into the hairy side of uh, proof of stake, proof of work, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Sol, et cetera. I mean, if you don't really want to get into the the dodgy, tricky side of you know traditional crypto, this is a very interesting way that still has a lot of upside and a lot of really unique uh, investment characteristics. I think this is another reason you saw stocks like AMD and NVIDIA explode is because, I mean, I, I play computer games. I build my home computer. Absolutely. I cannot get any parts to upgrade the damn thing because what should cost me 11 1500 bucks costs like three grand because the whole world is mining cryptocurrency yep there's a lot of ways you can approach this if you like the space but maybe you're hesitant on the coins themselves if you think bitcoin is going to be the best thing since sliced bread it's going to be the dollar that covers the entire globe then maybe you try to find some avenue to either get exposure through an IRA, yeah. set up a wallet and start buying into it. If you think that's a load of crap and Sean and I are blowing smoke up your ass, then you go the other route and you you buy the picks and shovels. You buy the people mining it. You buy the people that are the chips. facilitating yep. it, the the component manufacturers. There's There's a lot of ways to invest with this space without having to invest in this space. Yeah, I mean, so, NVIDIA, I think it was... Uh... Q1 of this year, NVIDIA made something along the lines of $170 million in, you know, in revenue just from chips associated with crypto, uh, with, with, Bit, with Bitcoin and, and crypto uh, rigs. Or you can just buy Coinbase and Robinhood and just let everyone else trade their money away. Exactly. And <laughs> but that's the thing, right? So you don't have to own Bitcoin to make money off of this space as the industry grows. I mean, again, Coinbase is making money off transactions, right? So if people are buying and selling it, whether the price is up or down, doesn't matter. If they're buying and selling it, there's transactions, and they're making money, right? So you're investing in that facilitator. So again, like we said, there's picks and shovels. There's, there's these uh, surrounding tertiary businesses. I, I would absolutely, at a very minimum, look into something like that just to give your, your portfolio some exposure. Yep. So I'm going to summarize this, and then we'll get into buy, sell, or hold. So again, if you're thinking of Bitcoin, you're thinking of this as a global, decentralized way to send money and store money outside of the traditional banking s sector. It's the first mover. It's the one that kind of started this whole thing. Yep. Again, there are a lot of risks. Do your due diligence figure out how to write down your wallet passphrase. I can't, if, if I hear anyone that lost their wallet passphrase, I have no sympathy for you. you. This is part of what you're doing. But from an investment standpoint, most people need to start looking at this in some capacity and just say, how do I get access to this? You don't have to go load your entire net worth up with only crypto, but you need to start looking at where should I be investing? All of the brain power in the post I wrote this week I think it's 70% of all Ivy League schools now have Bitcoin education as well as blockchain engineering and cryptos taking over. Yeah. Ready Player Two was written. And so it'll be a book, a movie soon, and that'll further push this along. But you really have to look at this as an actual space. So we're going to get into buy, sell, or hold. This is our closing section. Sean and I are just going to throw some topics at each other and see if we buy, sell, or hold them. 
I'm going to start with this, Sean, just because it's on CNBC right now. Yep. But Peloton's up about 18% in two days on the fact that they announced a private label clothing company. So you're going to buy, sell, or hold that. I'm going to give one caveat just so we, and I need to verify the actual value of this, but Lululemon, yep. Yep. do you know what their market cap is? Uh, $200 million. $55 billion. Huh, Very close. <laughs> I don't know shit about those apparel companies. Yeah, I'm wearing their pants. They're fantastic. They're ABCs, anti ball crushers. They're great. But ABCs, baby. Do you buy, sell, or hold Peloton getting into the apparel game? I mean, I absolutely buy them getting into it. Uh, I don't necessarily buy Peloton. The profitability yeah. of it. No, I do. I think the reality is, is you have a, a market that's very. Uh, there's not a lot of competition, right? I mean, it's Nike, it's Adidas, and Adidas is old, lame. Nike, for their own reasons, um, a lot of people are kind of shunning them. But there's not a ton of options out there. I mean, Lululemon's obviously blown up. Under Armour, I mean, Under Armour's great. I think Under Armour's phenomenal. They've been a great stock. I've owned them for many years. Very, very high I on. hate Under Armour collars. I don't know what yeah. it is. They fucking just, like, pop up. I hate them. It's called structure. Then you get the bacon collar. It's called structure. I'm wearing Jack Nicholas. You see that? It's called, see that? Get the bear? It's called structure. But yeah, I mean, so I would say there's just, there's not a lot of big players in this space. So if you can take a, a, a healthy, you know, uh, especially a company like Peloton, who's seemed to have built a very strong brand, a very strong following, and you take a rabid, a rabid fan base like that and say like, Hey, now we're going to have clothing. I think all those people that have got all that disposable income, because if you look at the average demographic for the people who are buying a Peloton, they're high income earners. They're wealthy. They've got a lot of cash to burn. And if they're going to come out with new clothes, I mean, you're you're going to be the nerd on the block without the new Peloton pants if you don't buy them. So I buy it. I do have a Peloton, John. So I kind of <laughs> think I need Peloton pants. You definitely need Peloton pants. We'll call you. We'll call you Captain Peloton pants. Ooh, I like that. It's fancy. Fan, fancy. Fancy. All right, man. what do you got? All right. So what do I have? I've got a uh, a, a related topic to the uh, the discussion of the day. Do you buy, sell, or hold Bitcoin eventually surpassing or uh, surplanting gold as a uh, an alternative as as the largest alternative asset? So this is going to take. Oh, we're going to have to bookmark this and come back in like five years. I'm going to sell that idea, and my main thing is. So I think this. If you said a digital whatever being like the replacement for gold, the digital store of value, I just think the way technology cycles are so fast, in 10 years, there's going to be something new that replaces Bitcoin. I think the dollars are going to keep flowing into the crypto economy, but I don't think – I think Bitcoin is going to slow itself down because technology around it is going to overdo it. So it's kind of like – you know, think of BlackBerry – Okay. You know, that was the gold standard until touchscreen phones came out. And then it's like, that's a joke if you have a BlackBerry. Yep. Yep. That's fair. I kind of think the same thing is going to happen. The money will stay in the crypto space because the crypto people are nuts, but I think it's going to roll <laughs> to something else. Okay. Fair enough. No, I would, um, I would buy that because I think it will supplant uh, gold. But, you know, again, we'll table that for another day. Yep. 
Next. What do you got? All right. Are you buy, sell, or holding some major custodian, Schwab, Fidelity, TD, whatever, launching their own wallet to allow their own customers to buy whatever they want right through them? I buy it all day. I buy that all day. At the end of the day, it's a uh, it's a first mover advantage type of market. So whomever it is that comes out with it first, whether it's Fidelity, Schwab, et cetera, Merrill Lynch, I mean, who, who knows, right? Whoever comes out with it first, they're going to snatch up a tremendous amount of, of the market. And once people are ingrained, they've got it set up, this is the process they know. It's very hard to take that away as a competitor. So I think I think it's absolutely going to happen. And frankly, I think Fidelity Investments is going to be the one to do it. Uh, so I we'll agree see. with you. I think I think Abby Johnson's going nuts <laughs> with Fidelity Digital. And I kind of think what's going to happen, I kind of think it's going to be a complete blindside of how it comes in. No one's going to expect it. And then, boom, it's there. Yeah, no, I think... Uh, it's definitely a foregone conclusion. All right, what do you got? All right, so buy, sell, or hold. Do you think that the uh, investing in European stocks is going to be, uh, I don't know, a uh, going to continue to fade into obscurity? Because it seems like that's an area of the market that is really lacking in value. I mean, obviously, we can pinpoint individualized names, but as advisors... Name one European stock. Nestle. <laughs> that was the only one I could think of, too. <laughs> Ikea. I don't know. Nestle. I mean, my point is, oh, Logitech, actually. Logitech's a great company. But, but, right. but again, my point is, I digress, but my point is, is that like the broader European equity markets, they seem to be fading into obscurity. They really aren't performing. They're not, they don't seem to be adding a lot of value. They, they're, they're as volatile as most other areas of the market, and they don't seem to be adding a lot more benefit. So I guess my buy, sell, or hold is, do you think this is going to be a particular asset class that continues to shrink in the average portfolio? I'm going to take a deep value swing at this and think it's a buy. Okay. And the main reason there's... So there is a company called Audien, which is basically the Stripe of Europe. Mm -hmm. They're doing something very similar. So it's like a combination of like Square and Stripe. I I think one of the best things, and I'm not smart enough to do it, but I feel like if you can go bottom feeding in markets like this, this is where you can, this is where you find the huge returns oh, yeah. your investments is go to the market no one likes and invest in that market. I think, I mean, we've been talking about this since literally like 2013, I feel like back in the old yep, yep. call center yep, days. Yep, yep. But Everyone you say, oh, there's going to be this great rotation from U.S. stocks overseas, and it just has not done anything. Yeah, had you made that move and said, I'm going to go invest in Europe, or I mean, there's been maybe a, one or two stocks in every economy. Like most of Latin and Central America has just been a complete way to lose money. It's been a challenge. And then it's been a challenge. company like Mercado Libre is up like four or five fold. You go to a lot of Asian countries, same thing, and then you have. C limited. I mean, you had a lot of the Chinese stocks that exploded and now they're all back where they were. So I don't think I'm going to call Europe out. I, I would like to see, I don't know. I don't have any evidence or fact behind it, but I'm not going to sell it. Maybe I'll do a hold. I'm selling Europe all day long. Over-regulation, lack of innovation, high taxes, 
I mean, that's just a complete recipe for disaster. I'm selling it. All right, what do you got? All right. Buy, sell, or hold. The SEC continuing to put the balls of Coinbase in the vice grip. So they Coinbase announced the Lend program yeah. where you can borrow money off your cryptocurrency. And the SEC came out and said, we will sue you if you do this. So one, you have Coinbase wants to do this. Two, a company called BlockFi is already doing this. Do you think the SEC is going to continue the vice grip on all of these crypto platforms? I I mean, I think they will at current state, unfortunately. So I guess I would have to buy this. Um, I don't like it. I don't think it's necessarily the right move for us. Um, And I don't think it's good for investors. But I I would say I guess I would have to buy this because I think the SEC will continue to squeeze them for various reasons. And and I think a lot of it is lack of education, lack of understanding, and and them just not really understanding the the way that this works and trying to apply 100-year-old regulation to something that's going on in 2021. Yeah. I mean. All right. What's your last one? All right. So uh, last one here. Do you buy, sell, or hold crypto becoming, again, a staple asset class within the broader models, right? So stocks, bonds, cash, everything included. Is it going to be a, not necessarily Bitcoin, because like you said earlier, you think somebody potentially will supplant Bitcoin, but maybe just some type of diversified crypto basket becoming a staple in an asset, in in an asset allocation strategy whether that's one, three, five, ten percent. Yeah, nice diversified basket yeah. of pet rocks and <laughs> crypto kitties. Crypto kitties. Uh, gotta have the crypto kitties. <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna buy that. I think the again, if anyone wants to go read, so we set up a website for the podcast, it's craft-advice.com. We don't have the money to buy the, the other URL, so fortunately put a dash between them. But the point I was making, if you if I look at the best thing going on with the crypto market, you have to follow where the capital is going and not just the investable dollars, but the human capital. So right now, the average salary for a blockchain developer is 150000 which dwarfs almost every other industry right out of school. Yep. I mean, you're having people that are coming out at like medical professional initial comps, and this is right out of school where the average salary, I think on ZipRecruiter across all their jobs is like 65,000. So when you take a bunch of the smartest people and throw them all at the same problem, I know there's a book on long-term capital management about having the ultimate brain power at investment firm and they end up imploding themselves. But someone is going to, or some company is going to completely redefine. I mean, even now companies in this space aren't issuing stock. They're tokenizing the entire value of the company and then allocating that out to investors. So I think it's going to start to trickle into other industries. Yep. So I'm going to buy that, Sean. Well, good. I'm buying it as well. So I'm glad to hear we're on the same side. But yeah, I mean, the thing that I would add to that is that uh, if you look at some of the non-traditional asset classes, real estate, gold, et cetera, those do generally come with a cost. More specifically, gold, precious metals come with a cost with zero yield, right? It's only appreciation that you're banking on. Real estate obviously comes with a yield. 
I believe this gives another alternative to real estate. It's a non, it's, it's a, it's an asset class that's not correlated with the markets that provides a yield because of staking and the way that the market works. And again, we can touch on that in a later episode, but it does provide, it can provide a yield. So if you're a, an institutional investor and you want to allocate one, three, five percent of this to your institutional portfolio, which will again eventually trickle down to how asset allocation models work at the big broker dealers. That's one thing you're looking at is, right, is this thing going to be able to generate some income along the way while I wait for that appreciation? So that's yep. what I look for. So do your research. Everybody focus on it. Take a look. Take a deep dive. At a minimum, just go get some free dollars through Coinbase. We don't get paid anything for that. It's just free money, so go do it. But that's going to wrap up this episode for us. We're going to try to do another one of these on Ethereum. We'll get into more of the smart contract play, and then we'll get into DeFi, the decentralized finance in a future episode. Again, don't forget to subscribe on whatever podcast you're in. Check out the website, craft-advice.com. We not only have all the blog or all the podcast episodes, but we have the blogs up there as well. If there's more content, we will add it. But with that, Sean, cheers. Any final thoughts, closing thoughts? Cheers. Welcome to the community, everyone. That's my final thought. There you go. I've now been baptized in the, uh, in the world of crypto. <laughs> <laughs> Sean's going to send everyone his wallet, so please, please uh, Dog fish. charge him or yeah, send him an invoice <laughs> for your time. Thank you all. Till next time. All right. Take care, guys. Later. Jack and Sean work for Senge Advisory Group, a registered investment advisory firm. All discussions between Jack and Sean or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Senge Advisory Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Senge Advisory Group may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.